Good morning, everybody, and welcome. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88, depending on where you are right here in Australia at this particular time. It is an amazing day. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. You're with Lyle and... And? Mon, sorry. Oh, where were you? <laughs> I am just gazing out this beautiful window on this beautiful day. Look at that sunshine. It's so golden. Oh, I yes. hope it's golden tomorrow when you're listening, dear delayed listener. Yes, that's right. Because <laughs> this is the delayed broadcast. So right now I'm looking at a beautiful weathery day, but tomorrow you might not be looking at such a beautiful day. Well, hopefully it's raining. We could use a little bit of rain. We could, actually. Quite a few places here in Australia right now could use some rain. So, yeah, about time for some rain. We've, we've had some. We've had some sunshine now. Time for a bit of rain, and then we can have some more sunshine again. And I would love to wear my new pink coat because I've been hanging out to wear it since I bought it in December. <laughs> Come on, winter. So was this a... A, uh, a winter a winter special that you got? Yeah, it was on sale because I bought it in summer and now I've just been hanging out for the cold weather to come ah, in. see, delayed <laughs> gratification. Oh, the ha, key ha. to success. Delayed broadcast, not so much because... No, that's right. Delayed broadcast won't work for <laughs> you. You miss out when you're not on the delayed broadcast. Yeah, we had an amazing show yesterday. Yeah, we did. You it, can hear it today. but Yeah, and someone got the prize, so just challenge yourself with the quiz. You could call up and win the prize uh, with the quiz and you could also call up and ask the question of the day. And you can also call up and get the free gift at the end of the show. Mm, so much better. How do they get on the um, del- uh, live broadcast? Faithfm.com.au, press play. Simple as that. Easy peasy. Is there another way? That's, that's your saying, isn't it? Yeah. Easy, easy, <laughs> lemon squeezy. <laughs> All right. Or you can listen to it on your tuning app, which is what I do, um, on my mobile phone. And I, the reason I listen to it on, on the tuning app on my mobile phone is because I get a better signal that way. Yeah, it's true, because you don't need and, to worry about uh, yeah, the... Just simply download the app, mm-hmm. and then you run it through your phone. Um, you can either run it through the speakers in your phone, not so great, but it's okay, or you can run it through um, your car stereo with your Bluetooth, or you can run it through your aux cord, or you can run it through a tape insert. However, there's, there's all kinds of good different ways of doing it. And because this is a delayed broadcast, we know we ha- there's an excellent show coming up. We have a lot of guests popping in today. We have Matt Parrell weighing in on some controversial topics. And who else came in? Uh, we had Michael Worker. That's right, Michael Worker. Talking about religious liberty. We've got Matt, Matt Parra talking about the war in Syria. Mm-hmm. And Michael Worker talking about uh, religious liberty. Mm-hmm. And you got a really tough question for me yeah, coming I up. I was just like, with it. I, I, before the show, I was like, hey, Mon, what's your story? And she's like, I got a hard question for you, and that's all she would say. And it was, it was pretty hard. It was, it was tough. It was tough. It, it was, was um, hard. It was, yeah. it was a good. But it was a really, really important mm-hmm. question. I'm so yeah. glad that you asked that question. It, it was. But you're gonna have to hear. Wait and hear it. It's coming yeah. up soon. Right after this. One eight hundred Faith FM.
to People of the Earth here on Faith FM and Monica, what mm. do we have for our quiz this morning? Our quiz is a Who Am I quiz. Mm-hmm. This one's actually pretty easy. Like yesterday I think was a little bit hard, so I'm going easy on you now. Mm-hmm. Okay. First clue. I said, each of you must be must put to death those of your men who have joined in worshipping the Baal of Peor. Okay, read that one again. I said... Each of you must put to death those of your men who have joined in worshipping the Baal of Pyar. Mm. Ah, yes, <laughs> I've got him. He's so uh, confused. Pretty close, but I haven't got it. I, I could take a stab at it, but I am not 100%. Okay, so if you think you know the answer, because Lyle sure don't, give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. See if you can figure it out before I can. 1-800-324-843. You should be able to figure it out. You can Google it. I don't have that opportunity because I'm not good at multitasking. Or you can text us 0491-064-669. Or you can message us on Facebook, Faith FM Australia. Do you know what? I'm going to say, if you can call in and tell us the answer before Lyle figures it out, I'll give you two prizes. (laughs) Two prizes. Yeah, super generous this morning. (laughs) Is that because you're drinking? What are you drinking over there? Raw potatoes again? Is that raw potatoes? No, that is, is nut it raw juice. pumpkin? Oh, it's nut juice. Okay, that's nut all right juice. then. Yeah, yeah, nut juice and water because it's, yeah, a little bit grainy. So, <laughs> I thought nut juice would be super, like, fattening and I thought you were trying to lose some weight with this. No, I mean, well, if you if you overeat nuts and if you eat, like, roasted, salted ones that have, like, additives added to them, that can be fattening. But this is only, like, a handful of nuts and then you soak them overnight and then you blend them and then you strain them multiple times um, and then you drink it. So and it's, is it, uh, it's is it, and raw is it, nuts. Is it drinkable? Can you drink this one without pulling the yeah. faces that you were pulling yesterday? I was, yeah. I was actually enjoying the face. I wish I was like, we need to have I this I will on not Facebook. be making those horrific juices again. <laughs> this morning I made sure to taste test all my juices. This one is, is a lot more palatable. Usually when I make... Like when I make nut milk for like my cereal and stuff, I do add a sweetener and some vanilla and stuff. So there's nothing added to this. So it is a little, 
a little harder to stomach, but it is not not the worst. It's not terrible. Okay, yeah. now you're drinking it. I noticed out of a flexible straw that has all kinds of ribs and stuff through it. Yeah. Do you do you reuse that or do you? Yeah, it's disgusting. I, today I got paid last night. I'm so happy. I'm going to the shop today. And I'm <laughs> going to buy a straw cleaner, like this little, like a tiny, tiny little dish brush that you shove in the straw and you clean. Yeah, it's it's like number one on my shopping list. So. Yeah, I've got one of those. You do? Yeah. Can I have it? I use it for cleaning my spray gun. <laughs> oh, hey, maybe I could go like to an, like a mechanic-y kind of shop, a, a dude shop, instead of going yeah. to Kmart. Just go to a, any any gun shop would sell you something. Oh, gun shop. In, would clean the inside of that straw. <laughs> oh, too funny. Lyle, yes. I know you're laughing now, but I'm about to wipe that laugh off your face. <laughs> okay. I'm, g- <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you a really, really hard question, and I'm, I'm going to make you sound super horrible. Oh, I'm so excited is, this about this. This is not good. This is not Let good. me tell you about my good news today. <coughs> so a seven-year-old girl has just become the youngest female ever to hike up Mount Kilimanjaro. A seven-year-old. Seven-year-old girl. That is sensational. That is what, awesomely good news. Do you know where Mount Kilimanjaro is? Yeah. Where is it? Kenya. Kenya. Okay. Do you know how high it is? Uh, it would be about 20,000, 23,000 feet. It's 5,895 metres. Don't give it to me in metres. I don't know what it is in feet. Ah, oh, Well, you should know this. So it's 5,895. Convert that for me into feet, you old fart, you <laughs> you old imperialist. <laughs> okay. Have you got it? Not yet. Okay, so seven-year-old girl. That's 19,341 feet. Didn't I say 20,000 feet? Very good. Very there good. There you go. I very go. good. Okay, all right. So I she's mean. seven years old, youngest person ever to climb this thing. Um, she I just, climbed a mountain when I was seven years old. Was it that tall? I climbed Adamson's Peak in Tasmania. Yeah, dude, come on. No, that's not no, <laughs> no near as tall as Kilimanjaro. It's a cool mountain, though. So Mount Kilimanjaro, isn't that the tallest mountain in Africa? I believe so. Yeah. Um, so she was, she was a record breaker. Um, and it took her and her mum uh, six days to do it, which was no mean feat because the first day of the climb was very breezy. But the second, the, the remainder of the hike was very difficult because they had to deal with pouring rain and freezing temperatures. Oh, no. That's what I had when I climbed Adamson's Peak, which, by the way, is a quarter of the hike. You sound like. It was sleet. <laughs> Oh, sleet. Sleet. Oh, nasty, ah. nasty. Okay, so this is amazing feat, right? The thing is, she climbed the mountain because she wanted to be closer to her dad, who had passed away when she was three years old. Um, and she believes he's in heaven <clears throat> looking down on her. And uh, she wanted to wave and blow kisses and hope that he would see her from the top of the mountain. You know what I'm about to ask you, don't I? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to make you sound like an ogre on the radio. But I want to know the truth. Would he have seen her? No. Why not? Because of what the Bible says. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that when Jesus comes back, that all those who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. In other words, come out of their graves. And so, yeah, her dad is in his grave waiting for the resurrection. Is that actually like, you know, it makes it sound mean. Like she climbed the mountain for nothing because her dad's not watching. But there's actually a beauty in this. It's more of a, it's better yeah. news really. Uh, it's, it's much better news because I've been through this experience that this little girl has gone through um, and not just climbing a mountain when I was seven years old, uh, albeit a much smaller mountain than that one. Uh-huh. Um, 
but I, I've I, I lost my mother when I was um, not much older than than this little girl, mm-hmm. and it's a horrific experience to go through. It's something that no parent would ever want to see their children go through. My dad went through the twin grief of losing his wife and watching what my brother and I went through, and it's just something that you you, you don't want to wish that on anyone. And I particularly did, would not want to wish that on my mother. Mm. You know, this is something that uh, that she is. You know, she she suffered enough pain in the lead up to her death without having to suffer the pain of then watching. You know, the rest of our life and how that you know that event, her death, her passing away, has affected my brother and myself and my dad. You know, because those effects, they, they, you carry them with you for the rest of your life. They never go away. Mm. And we all go through them at some point. It's part of humanity. But who wants to, who, you know, death is, death is something that spares us of further pain. It does not give us further pain. Mm. There's a lot of people out there, you know, I've been to many funerals where they've said, you know, oh, he or she is now looking down on us and they'll guide us and protect us, you know, all this kind of stuff. So... If the Bible says they aren't in heaven when they die, where do they go? Like, what happens yeah, to let me, well, when that's they die? A, that's a great question. Let me share with you what the Bible says, because let's go with what the Bible says this mm. morning, because too much myth out there. Let's do some myth busting. Let's talk about King David, of course, who was a righteous man, a man after God's own heart. And um, in Acts chapter 2, you'll find that, let's go down to verse 34. Peter says this, for David has not gone to heaven. Okay, that's... Yeah, that'd yeah. be surprising. So the question is, where is he? You go back to verse 29, and he says, Men and brethren, let me freely speak to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his grave is with us to this day. And so this is a righteous man. You know, right there in verse 34, uh, where it says, For David is not ascended into heaven, but he said himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit on, your, sit on my right hand. And so David was a person who was exalted by God. He was a saved person. He wasn't a lost person. The Bible says he didn't go to heaven. Mm. He's in his grave. Mm-hmm. He's waiting for the resurrection. That's really clear. Uh, you go to First uh, Thessalonians chapter four, verse sixteen through eighteen, and this is really critical because this is a verse that we are told to use at funerals and never do. Oh, really? We're told to use it as we are told to use this at a funeral. It says, uh, "For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Mm. That's really exciting. Praise God. This is is amazing news. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And notice verse verse 18. It says, Wherefore, or because of this, comfort one another with these words. In other words, use these words at a funeral. Mm. The promise of the resurrection, not the promise of them being heaven. The Bible says the dead shall rise to life. Because doesn't it also say the dead know nothing? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 9 is very, very clear on that. The Bible says the dead know nothing. They don't know anything about what you know, anything that takes place uh, whatsoever at all. They have no thoughts. They have no praise. They don't honor God. Um, any of those kind of things. You know, the, the, there's so, there is verse after verse after verse that we could read on this particular subject. And, you know, uh, these pagan myths came into the church in the early centuries of Christianity and became so established that very few people actually stop and question. You won't find a single verse in the Bible that says the soul of the spirit is immortal. So the good news today is the dead are resting. They're not watching us in agony, living our lives, crying and waiting for them, which is good news. God is going to resurrect them one day.
There's a train coming You don't need no baggage And just to get on board All you need is faith On the diesel humming You don't need no ticket, no, no Just thank the Lord To get on board All you need is something To hear the diesel humming You don't need a ticket Just thank the Lord And people get ready For the train to join It's picking up passengers From coast to
You're listening to Human Nature. People get ready here on Faith FM, and we have a special guest in our studio this morning. Welcome to the program, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, now, Matt, just to give a bit of an introduction, I'm not quite sure how to introduce Matt. So, Matt is our resident uh, American. I'm your resident American. <laughs> yes, resident American, resident uh, philosopher, sage, and general apologist. <laughs> and and social it. commentator. Yeah, I like to make social commentary. And, uh, and recently ordained pastor. Yeah. Yes, pastor congratulations. That was fantastic. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. It was a good time. It's really, really awesome to see. So uh, I love, by the way, I just wanted to interject there, um, if I could. I love to, to take what I understand from scripture mm-hmm. and to make practical, relevant application to social issues. Yeah. Because I think that God's wisdom is, is, you know, Jesus says that the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. And, mm-hmm. and I take that to mean that the words that Jesus speaks are practically useful and they apply to real life. That, that's fantastic. And they give us wisdom yeah. in the real world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and, and this is one of the reasons why I've got you on the show today because I want to get a, uh, I, I guess, a, a little bit of an American perspective yeah. on uh, the war in Syria. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, and I want to get your thoughts on this because, you know, as Australians, we look at what how America responds and sometimes we're like, yeah, and sometimes we shake our heads. And, uh, you know, I guess Australia is probably just as divided over these kinds of issues as America is in, in some ways. But yeah. um, I, I think you've probably got some very um, interesting perspectives to share on it. It's been in the news. Sure. You can't avoid it. Yep. Uh, you've got this accusation that they're using, you know, weapons of mass destruction and chemical right. warfare. And the question is, you know, should 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 America go in there and you know turn the place into a big glass crater, or should yep. we? Uh, should Australia be involved in it, or should we just leave them to, to themselves? Yep. Um, yeah. So share with me. Or actually, before you do, yes. Share with me quickly your where do, where you actually stand philosophically. Your background. You are known as being a generally a social yeah. conservative, right? Yeah. I think in most issues, I'd be considered a social conservative. I, and I um you know biblical values to me um are you know, the, the healthiest, best, and um, wisest way to practice life. Um, Former member of the United in, in, States Armed Services? Yeah, that's right. I served in the United States Navy for four years and on the USS Kitty Hawk. Mm-hmm. And I actually tra- traveled to Australia oh, while, while I was a U.S. sailor in 1997. I remember when the Kitty Hawk came down here awesome. in 97. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I've served my country. I, I come from a family of, of military servants. My father was in the Vietnam War. My great-grandfather was served in World War II, both combat veterans. My great-grandfather served in World War I. Um, our family is, is definitely a family of patriots, military servants. We would all be considered social conservatives in today's political climate. Sure. Know, maybe 25 years ago, we might sure. not be considered political conservatives or, or, or social conservatives. And I don't even know if I'd call myself a political conservative as much as on certain social issues like abortion, like sexuality. I would definitely fall on the side of social conservatism for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I would consider myself for biblical uh, reasons. Uh, yeah, that's right. For biblical reasons, I would consider myself, you know, in the in the spectrum of, of political like labels, I would consider myself a constitutional conservative, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. basically an American constitutional conservative. I feel that the the values espoused in the United States Constitution are, for the most part consistent with biblical ideals. So you'd be totally in support of, uh, of going into Syria and uh, you know, attacking, <laughs> attacking a nation that is using weapons of mass destruction and is using chemical warfare and murdering their own people. <laughs> no, not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. This is why you're having me on. No, if I were to distill my view of, uh, of what's happening, right? If, if I were basically to distill my view on war down into just a few short statements, I would say that before you go 
into a sovereign nation and kill lots of people, hmm. you better be sure that you have a justifiable reason. And so, unlike many social conservatives, I, I, I don't in any way, shape, or form feel that at this point in time, war in Syria is justified. Not at all. Not even a little bit. Um, we've heard this this notion of weapons of mass destruction before. Um, we've heard it with Iraq. We've heard it, you know, time yes, and... Yes, and we, 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 that was the whole reason we, 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 we went to Iraq, you know, both the United States and Australia. That's right. And spent, what, billions and billions of dollars per day... <laughs> Billions, and, yeah. and, and lives. How many lives would have been lost as a result of that? Hundreds of thousands of Iraqi lives were, were, were lost uh, due to a fabricated pretext uh, for war that, that was not um, validated at the time. And uh, it's a travesty. It's terrible. It's horrible. It's, it's unbelievable. So we did that all based on the rumor yeah. Of weapons of mass destruction. Absolutely. On, on supposedly uh, verified intelligence. And, and yeah, look, when it comes to war, I think that, you know, for modern Western uh, citizens, war is like, it's a news report. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a television event. And I don't think that the, the horrors of war, the, the reality of, and the devastation of war is in any way familiar with the average person who sits and watch, watches TV. Mm. And so it's very easy to sit back and, and listen to politicians and, and pundits on the media just talk about war and, and the justification for war and, and, and not really take it seriously mm-hmm. and not, not really sit back and say, wait, 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 before we send people, our sons and our daughters to kill Tens of thousands of human beings, and, and of course, and and of course civil- you know, there's American and Australian lives who were lost in those conflicts as well. Absolutely, yeah, that's right. And and you know, before you overturn and topple a government that provides stability, some level, some measure of stability, uh, some some measure of order in a society, you better be sure. You better be like absolutely, um, without a shadow of a doubt completely totally certain that this is something that is 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 really a good idea um, and we've never seen it be a good idea we've never seen nation building work we've never seen uh, foreign incursion of, um, where we topple governments and you know, under whatever pretext mm-hmm. we've never seen it work we've never seen it amount to anything good and so why is it that we continue to, to do it it's isn't that the definition insane. of insanity it's insane doing the same thing and expecting a different result that's right that's right you know I've heard the statement before it, it says that one thing we learn from history is that men never learn from history Mm-hmm. And, and even re- in recent history, we've seen that, that these foreign incursions, when we topple governments in the name of freedom, in the name of democracy, it never creates more freedom, it never creates more democracy. And, and it's just, it's astounding to me that we keep doing it over and over and over again. Um, and, and we sit by, by the way, this is what's so ironic about this notion that we should just go into Syria because... Uh, Assad because there's a rumor Assad's regime is is cruel and tyrannical and terrible and they use chemical weapons against their own people none of this is verified by the way we Mm -hmm. we don't know any of this by like scientifically we don't Mm -hmm. know if any of this is true um, but, we, but we say these things. We care about these people. We want to depose dictators and create, you know, freer, uh, happier societies. But but all around us, there are there there are societies and governments that are that are far worse than than Assad than Assad's Syrian government. You mm-hmm, know, and, mm-hmm. and so we just don't seem to to care too much about that. Okay, so this is a question. We are we are we are concerned in that we want to protect civil, the civilian population of Syria. Right. So That's the basic argument behind. We need to protect the civilian population of Syria, so let's go on and, and, and just blast the place with um, yep. cruise missiles. Um, so why are we concerned about the civilian population of Syria or Iraq or countries like this where we were never concerned about the civilian population of, say, Rwanda? <laughs> That's right. That's exactly the case. And it, it, it pains What's me. What's the really. difference between those two countries? Well, the difference is, is that, 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 that we have some interest 
right? We, mm-hmm. we just have some geopolitical interest in the region, and therefore we want to find reasons to, mm-hmm. I think, I think, come in and invade. I, I really in other do, words, this sounds conspiratorial. Okay, I know it. And I this get is, it. This is, I just say I, my, my, my conspiracy yeah. theory, um, very simply, yeah. is that uh, the Middle East has oil and Africa doesn't. <laughs> well, the UN, you know, I read a book called Shake Hands with the Devil, and I would recommend that everybody reads that book. It was written by Romeo Dallaire. He was the UN general. He's a Canadian general who was in charge of the United Nations forces in Rwanda in the 1990s when the genocide in Rwanda broke out. And uh, he basically just describes what happened there. And, and he's got like messages from the United Nations to himself. These are like personal messages that they sent to him while he was begging them, begging them to stop the killing of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't lift a finger. And he was begging and begging and begging for international support. And one of the communications, and he's got it in his book, he says that it comes from the UN. Uh, the reason why the UN will not, the ultimate reason why they will not interfere is that the only resource in Rwanda was people. Literally, this is like he's yeah, got yeah, it in the book. Really, it's that's, documented. That's really it's, it's, discouraging. It's hey, we've got a yeah. uh, we've got a caller that's come through um, who'd like to ask a question. Um, no, we don't know. Oh, we've got a message coming through. I've got, I'm getting signals from our producer, <laughs> but we'll just uh, we'll just keep going on yep. and, and talking about it. And so you know, so so what it what it what it seems to me then, and just you know, looking on is that uh, yeah, we go to, we go to warfare where we have you know a, a political interest, a financial interest, really. That's right. Uh, rather than where there's a, uh, a humanitarian crisis that needs Absolutely. to be taken Human care of. life matters, yeah. whether it's in the womb, whether it's in a foreign country, and we should care about protecting it and, and, and be sure that if we're ever going to take it, Mm-hmm. That, that it's warranted for sure. Thank you so much for joining us on yep. the show today, Matt. We really appreciate your time and to give us that perspective, uh, which is a, uh, an unusual perspective coming from where you come from. At this particular time, we're going to move on and listen to Hilary Scott and the Scott family. You're on Faith FM.
to pray Studying about that good old way And who shall wear the robe and crown Good Lord, show me the way Oh, sister, let's go down Let's go down, come on down Oh, sister, let's go down Down to the river to Welcome back, everybody. That was Hilary Scott and the Scott family here on Faith FM. And once again, we have another special guest who is joining us this time by the phone. And uh, Michael, Michael Worker, welcome to the show. Hello, Michael. Can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Are ah, you there? Yes, wonderful. Yep, we, we, we just uh, had something muted here at this end for a moment, but uh, glad to have you on the show. Now, Michael, a little bit of a different interview this morning that um, I, I want to ask you some questions about a project that you've been working on um, in relationship to religious liberty. But just to, to give us an introduction to yourself, you work for an organisation called the Australian Union Conference. Very briefly, what, does, what, is, what is the Australian Union Conference? Well, the Australian Union Conference could also be known as the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Australia, and so it is the uh, national office uh, for for the church. Right, so you're working for the, you know, the national office of the church in Australia, and as a part of your role there, you're involved in uh, religious liberty. What, what exactly uh, is your role there in relationship to religious liberty? Yeah, religious liberty is a fascinating area. It, it is essentially the view um, that all people have the respectful right uh, to freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of association, and that it's really our obligation as Christians to defend that right, even if we don't agree with what the other person has to say. They should be free uh, to respectfully and reasonably express their views and live out their beliefs. So is this something that uh, every church in Australia, you know, all the different churches in Australia would have a department that deals with specifically with religious liberty or is this uh, fairly unique to the Adventist church? Or Look, the, the Seventh-day Adventist church has been involved in uh, religious liberty since its inception so that we've had over 150 years of involvement and I guess given our history as a religious minority and uh, upholding the values of the Saturday Sabbath and so on, we, we've probably had a keener focus and attention on it. However, I think it's fair to say in the current environment in Australia, most Christian churches and even other world religions 
uh, are increasingly focusing on the right to freedom of speech and religion. Mm-hmm. Now, you're working on a, uh, a project currently with uh, the Australian government. Uh, the Australian government is doing some research on religious liberty in Australia. What, what exactly is that all about? Yeah, Lyle, there's currently three different government reviews underway. Uh, Firstly, there is a joint standing committee of the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Uh, We made a submission to that in April last year, and uh, the final report hasn't been delivered on that. They're, They're still conducting public hearings. In fact, I've been called to be a witness to a public hearing for that in the coming weeks. Uh, There's also an Australian Charities and Not-for-Profit Commission review underway at the moment, and that touches on some of the the freedom of relief, uh, freedom of religion, and the the practices and the uh, the concessions that churches and charities enjoy in Australia. And then there's also the very high profile Ruddock inquiry uh, that has received over sixteen thousand submissions, and uh, we're expecting sometime in the month of May, around the eighteenth of May, that a report uh, will be made to the government by Philip Ruddock and the team on their recommendations regarding legislation protections um, for freedom of religion and freedom of speech in this country. Now, I mean, I've always just assumed that here in Australia we have, you know, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, that that's part of our legislation, you know, legislative framework for this country. Is, is that the case? Look, I think when you look at Australia in the context of the rest of the world, generally speaking, we enjoy a very high level of freedom of speech and religion, Um, but that is certainly under attack at the moment. And and what's become very clear is that we actually have no legislative frameworks in place whatsoever uh, to protect that in this country. If you look at our neighbours across the, the ditch in New Zealand, um, you know, a number of years ago, about 15 years ago, they passed uh, what could be called a, a Bill of Rights that enshrined in legislation protection of freedom of speech and freedom of religion. However, there is nothing of that nature at all in Australian uh, law at the moment. That that seems to be very surprising just to me because, I mean, I've always assumed we have freedom of speech, we have freedom of religion. Is that because our culture is, I, I guess, we, we borrow a lot of our culture and, 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 and the way we feel about ourselves from the United States where this is enshrined in their constitution? Or is it just something that we've assumed? Or I'm surprised to hear that we don't actually have a legal framework for it. Look, it's just something that's happened by goodwill. It's something that we've kind of inherited from our forefathers and probably before the last 10 years or so, we've never really thought or felt that there's been a need to, to, to legislate this protection. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, that freedom um, is just coming under sustained attack. There's no question in my mind that there is a, a very focused, intentional um, push by a hard secularist viewpoint uh, to marginalise um, the Christian voice and and to remove it from the public square to, to sort of say to the Christian world, look, you, you go and talk amongst yourselves and, and, and you believe what you want, but you really don't have the right to, to push your views in the public square. So what what exactly has been uh, driving this, you know, this, this secular viewpoint What's the what's 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 behind it? What's motivating it? Why now? What why not in the past? I believe, Lyle, that this has probably been building for a couple of decades, and in many ways, uh, the church has 
maybe not responded quickly enough. Um, maybe um, there's more that could have been done over time as as this secular mindset has has been um, gathering momentum in the background and probably it's fair to say um, there have been times when the, the corporate Christian church has, has let society down, has has not always um, acted and behaved in, in ways um, that have won the, the general public support and and so you know there, there's opportunity for some self-reflection there um, but, but I also think it's part of the, the times in which we live um, where you know there, there is that desire to suppress um, the Christian message and voice. Mm-hmm. Can you do a bit of a forecast for us and just tell us what you think might happen if these laws protecting our um, freedom of speech and our religious freedom uh, don't don't come into play? Like, how will Australia as a nation change if we don't have that liberty? I think, yeah, very good question. And, um, yeah, my, my crystal ball's not very good. But as I look <laughs> at what's happened in, in, in the last 12 months, um, before um, the definition of marriage was changed, the way that people who would speak up for a traditional view of marriage would be vilified, um, I think we would just see more and more of that where um, many or most Christians would be afraid to express a view that is different from what you could term as the popular prejudice of the day. Mm, I think that and, we're and already I there. I feel like a lot of Christians don't feel that. Yeah. Are there any countries that we can look to to see um, you know, where we could potentially end up heading uh, one way or the other? Like, What's a country that's... you know? doesn't have religious freedom that we could look at and say we could end up like that if we're not careful here? Probably the countries that are the most like us that are a few years further down the track where we can look at the consequences that are that are being shown and demonstrated would be countries like Canada, uh, countries like Ireland, the UK more broadly. And while you don't see a lot in the mainstream media, um, you, 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 there are plenty of reports um, being shown where um, the, the views of the Christian church or, or religion more broadly uh, are being suppressed. Um, yeah, and, and there's some really scary consequences. And look, I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking about bakers and florists. Um, you know, that, that, that's a, a separate discussion. But there was a situation in, in Canada um, where a, a Christian university uh, who had a law faculty uh, who upheld the traditional view of marriage and, and there was a challenge made that graduates from that university would not be registered with the bar uh, unless they changed their views on marriage. Um, mm. So, you know, they're, they're fairly significant consequences mm. that are looming, that are being put forward as... Hey, so as society, if, if you don't go along with the popular prejudice, we will marginalise you and we will remove your ability to be registered in your profession. So what's the line between freedom of speech and hate speech? And should we have laws that do control um, hate speech and that curtail hate speech? Or is that just a way of saying freedom of speech for a person who's easily offended? Yeah, that's a really tricky area. Um, I think all of all of what we say um, should be respectful. 
um, and, and shouldn't be used to belittle, to humiliate, to embarrass um, an individual. And I, I guess how people feel when they hear or receive certain views or, or certain conversations is, is as individual as, as we all are. And so that, that's a very fine line. And, and certainly the government's been wrestling with this. You, you, you were probably aware of the discussion that took place last year around the, the vilification laws, the Section 18C, um, and, and that's a very controversial point of view. Is it okay for a Christian to express what they believe is a biblical worldview um, or if you don't agree with that, would you de- term that as hate speech and, and therefore you would be prohibited from expressing publicly um, what, what your what your worldview and your belief system is? Yeah, so for instance... Challenging if, uh, area. Yeah, so if, if, if as a Christian, I, would to, I, I was to say that I don't believe that, you know, Hinduism, Buddhism, um, Islam, etc., is is, is I, I would I would say that those are wrong. You, you know, Christianity is the way to go, but mm. these these particular religions are wrong. You know, Satanism is wrong. I would say that is is that mm. vilifying or is that hate speech or is it just simply freedom of speech? I feel like almost like you know what you're saying as opposed to it being a speech promoting hate. I feel like more like it's people hate what you say and therefore it's hate speech. So the definition lies with how they react as opposed to what your intentions are. I almost feel like that's where we've gone. I, I honest to goodness feel like this hate speech and freedom of speech, so much of these laws are coming in because we have lost common sense. Mm. Yeah, Very true. We, we've become very sensitive as society and, and very willing to react if somebody else says something that I don't like. Yeah, so so Michael, just um, coming back to this issue of uh, religions that, you know, I don't like. I don't like Satanism. You know, when you and I were working in Sydney, there was a, a Church of Satan in, right there in Newtown, which was close to where I was working, and Michael used to be my boss back in those days, but uh, mm-hmm. um, there was a Church of Satan. I don't like Satanism, um, and I would say that Satanism is wrong, but at the same time, you're in a position now where you are fiercely defending religious liberty. Does that mean that you are defending the right for Satanists to exist? Look, if you take that extreme example, if we really believe in freedom of speech and freedom of religion, um, then we would defend the right for the, the Satanist church to be able to express their views as much as we would defend the right for um Islam for Seventh Day Adventists for for whoever uh, you you might want to uh, name. Sure, we, we can't be discriminatory in that. We either believe in freedom of expression of religion and 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 views, or, or we don't. Sure, is there a biblical foundation for this? Is this is, is this something that God supports? Does God give us religious liberty? Look, look, I believe so. I, I think it, it's it's. Uh, it's a position of, of basic human rights, if if you want to use a strong term such as that. It, it's a, it's it's a, yeah, a, a very biblical, very Christ-centered view uh, that that people should be able to live and express their views. Uh, you know, and I guess that's the whole foundation of our legislative system is that there's boundaries on how far those those freedoms should should go. You know, on the freeway, um, the boundary is 100 or 110 kilometres an hour. Sometimes it's 80 and we get frustrated with that. And, and so society has established boundaries. And 
I guess really what's being challenged here is society is re-looking or actually looking to establish in Australia's context some boundaries of what is permissible, uh, you know, what is what is deemed to be an acceptable discrimi- discrimination and, and what is deemed to be an unacceptable discrimination in the way we express things. Yeah, sure. Michael, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Um, really important is tights on such an incredibly important subject and uh, we really appreciate what you've got what you've had to share it's been a pleasure thank you we're going to have a song break this is Gungo Please Be My Strength I've tried to stand my ground I've tried to understand but I can't seem to find my faith again Water on the sand, grasping at the wind. I keep on falling short. So please be my strength. Please be my strength. Cause I don't have any more.
to Faith FM, positively different radio.